And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Not an April Fool's joke after all. On April 1st, we did a podcast. We joked the Chiefs were trading for Ravens tackle uh, Orlando Brown. Today, as we were in the 59th minute, of an episode of Time Czars talking mostly about drafted tackles and draft prospect tackles and the Chiefs draft plans and mock drafts that we've all done. The Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown. Uh, so here's just sort of the meat of it, all right? The Chiefs are moving uh, the 2021 first round pick this year to the 31st overall pick, also the third round 94th overall pick, the fourth round 136th overall pick, and a 2022 fifth round pick in exchange for Orlando Brown the 58th overall pick this year, and a sixth round pick in 2022. Uh, depending on whatever math you want to use, it essentially, uh, as I have seen, at least from a, a couple of spaces, looks like it's more or less the first round pick for Orlando Brown and then some swaps that honestly, I think probably makes some amount of sense for the Chiefs in terms of getting a second round pick back. We were talking about how Brett Veach discussed the hot zone in this year's draft and they have fewer picks, but they do get an additional second. Obviously, though, the headline, the Chiefs land Orlando Brown. Nate, your thoughts for real this time, not a prank. <sighs> yeah, not a prank. Uh, April 23rd, um, circle it on your calendars. Maybe this is a day that you need to reference in January of next year because um, the Chiefs, in, in, in quite a bit of a hedge move, uh, for a couple reasons, this gives them a player that they know can play at the NFL level at a high level, and that uh, is what Patrick Mahomes needs, as we saw uh, in reference to the Super Bowl last year. Um, he's, you know, Brown's going to play out the final year of his contract. That is understandable because the Chiefs need to see where the cap is going to go. In 2022, understandably, and Brown wants to see his true market value, which any player coming off their rookie deal, you tend to understand um, and, and want to see what that player is worth. We most by and large, most people would do that. Um, and he goes to a team with championship aspirations and he could rise his stock both from a financial standpoint and from a competitive uh, what his career may ultimately be, whether he stays with the Chiefs or not, past 2021. Now, the hedge here is that Brett Veach said before this trade, on Friday morning, midday maybe, uh, that they felt that there were only, minus the quarterbacks, 17 players who they deemed would be first-round talent. From the 31st position, based on the mocks and the scenarios that the Chiefs had, bore out over their experimental process. Um, they have to believe of those tackles within that 17 group, 
Orlando Brown is better than all those players. And so you get a player who doesn't want to be on his current team. You feel that that player is better than the strong tackle prospects available to you who could potentially one of them falling to 31. Are you trading up for that player in a couple picks? Um, And now it's up to the coaching staff to make it work. And if Orlando Brown likes being in Kansas City for a year, you could really win the deal by either A, getting back to the AFC Championship game, perhaps winning another Super Bowl, and then locking in that player for a long-term deal if the salary cap projects the way teams hope it will as we move forward, you know, beyond the pandemic. Seth, how do you feel about the move? So, I, I for starters, I can't believe that uh, the, the Ravens traded with the Chiefs. Like, that's something that I'm still getting my head around. To me, it's like, would the Chiefs have traded with the Patriots back in 2018? No. The answer is no. Like, and so and so, some people can read into that what they want. And, and the Ravens are a team that's known. They want to acquire as many picks as possible. Um, oh, Matt Lane just tweeted out a really interesting point. Orlando Brown is like half a year older than Brady mm-hmm. Christensen, like two years older than Tevin Jenkins. He's still a very young tackle. Here's what I would say the initial thing is about uh, Orlando Brown. He is, well, oh man, he's massive. Good Lord. So he I'm going to be massive. looking at his tape. I've already reviewed in the two minutes that we've had, I looked at about 20 of his snaps against the Browns. Um, he can he can play. Here, here's the deal. You've got a guy who's made the Pro Bowl as a right tackle and a left tackle. That's a big deal, right? Um, you've also got a guy who's shown he can play at a Pro Bowl level in the NFL. And as the fans of this show will never know, because we just we had to scrap an entire podcast. You you never know how draft picks are going to pan out, and so you're paying for certainty, mm-hmm. at least as much certainty as you can get. There's no such thing as total certainty in the NFL, but there's a lot more certainty. Like I could say, man, I love Tevin Jenkins as a prospect, but there's still much more of a coin flip there than there is with a guy who's played at a Pro Bowl level in the league and is still very young. Um, I think it's, it makes sense. And in terms of risk, at least in terms of risk for Patrick Mahomes, we'll put it that way. It's much lower and it raises the ceiling in theory of the chiefs roster this year. And as much as I'm a, the draft is a crapshoot kind of guy, the fact that they were able to get like in the packaging of deals, a second round pick back. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Breer of SI tweeted or the MMQB tweeted that the, the, from the Chiefs equivalent, the Chiefs side, they think it's the equivalent of essentially giving up the 45th overall pick for Orlando Brown by Kansas City's math. You take that for what you will, but kind of interesting. The, the one thing, I'm sorry to cut you off, Seth. I just thought that would be relevant. The other thing, though, is the, the contract. Um, he was looking for a it new is. deal. Baltimore wasn't going to give it to him. He wanted to play left tackle. Wasn't going to happen in Baltimore, who's now apparently going to sign Alejandro Villanueva, by the way. Um, but the issue now, that there have been reports that the Chiefs and Brown are going to let this year play out and then next year, Brown will hit the market. The good news is the Chiefs get another year of seeing him. They get a year of seeing him at left tackle, a year in their system. The downside 
is yep. uh, as someone had recently tweeted. Sorry, things are moving very fast around you right now. Uh, he he essentially becomes mm-hmm. Trent Williams or, or Laramie Tunsil in terms of leverage. Yes. Is the Chiefs will franchise tag him next year, Th- and that's yeah. going to be expensive. And we've already seen like just I don't want, I I personally am more excited to, to to use Ethan Douglas's terms. I'm more excited than tentative at this point. I think, but also we saw this go badly in in some ways at least with Frank Clark because his contract. He's he's on the books for thirteen million dollars next year if they cut him. Like that's trading first round picks and giving a big contract to a guy with a lot of leverage. Brown will have a ton of leverage next year if he plays well. Yeah, this is a point that I that I agree with you completely, Josh. Um, but here's some of the parameters that the Chiefs can work within now that they have a player that they feel like is going to be with them for the duration of two years because you have the franchise tag at your disposal. And so what will ultimately happen for Orlando Brown is, are you comfortable playing on the franchise tag? Trent Williams was a lot further in his career. Mm -hmm. He had already accomplished a lot when he got to San Francisco, which is why he made it clear there will be no franchise tag capabilities within my contract as I'm traded from one organization that I don't want to be with anymore to another that I think gives me a really good chance um, to succeed and have team success. Um, if you get an extension accomplished after the 2021 season, it's going to be within the context of what is the franchise tag for that player? And can you spread the life of that contract to where obviously it's going to rise as we assume the salary cap is going to rise, but is the player comfortable with the organization, the coaching staff playing for Super Bowl MVP quarterback? Seeing how the 2021 season ends, that they're comfortable having the long-term security over the maximization of for one year playing on a franchise tag, which we've said, and I've said it uh, for a long time, it's one of the most diabolical things in the NFL, but that gives the Chiefs some leverage, even though you are trading for a player that you know you have to give an extension to now that he's arrived in Kansas City. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Also, the left side of the line now is, as our friend Matt Verderham has tweeted, hilarious um, because it's it's Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney when when that is a yep. bit of an upgrade over last year's Super Bowl offensive line and then even the, the line that started day one last year. But it's also going to get very expensive. Also, Trent Williams and Joe Tooney would have been very expensive. And Orlando Brown is like eight years younger than than Williams is. You, you, man, Josh, you are, you are tweeting out and spitting out the exact points that I was going to make. So well done you. Um, This is, it's worth noting they were going to pay Williams more than they would have to pay Brown if they Mm -hmm. extended him right now, right? If you extended Trent Brown or Trent Brown, if you extended Orlando Brown right now, (laughs) you would not be giving him the same contract that Williams was asking for. Correct. Are we sure the Chiefs haven't also traded for Trent Brown? Because at this point, you got to watch your mouth, man. Because I'll yeah, yeah. Who knows? It wouldn't surprise me. I like Trent Brown too. All the Browns. Um, <laughs> he's a Brown. Miles Garrett because you know he's Stupid a Brown right joke. now. Um, and, so. and and the point of this too is, and we we talked about this earlier. Given what the 49ers gave to Trent Williams, 
uh, where's Trent Williams going to be in three years? You, you, you should have a little bit more, um, you know, I guess confidence that Orlando Brown will still be playing at a high level in his prime. If you give him an extension and he's within the third year of that same with Joe Tooney, that's a little different than, wow. Okay. What do we got to stretch this out to five, six years? I don't know. Like, eh, you know, Trent Williams is great for 2021, but moving towards 2023, I mean, in the context of all this, as Patrick Mahomes enters his mega extension, these are all thoughts that you have to have. And so even though it didn't work out with Trent Williams and you were disciplined in what you could offer him from Brett Veach's own standpoint, um, there's more flexibility and and trust if all goes well in 2021 that you're comfortable giving a multi-year extension to a player that's hopefully going to continue to ascend or give consistent, sustainable production throughout the majority course of that extension, if that all makes sense. That's that's an awesome way of talking about it. Um, he, he's, he's way younger. He's still an ascending player. Um, most offensive linemen aren't at their best until they're about 26, 27, 28, because it takes a long time to learn how to play well in the league. You get a guy that plays at a Pro Bowl level his, in his, two of his first three years, that's impressive. And so you get to pay a guy at an earlier portion of his career where statistically speaking, and you never know, injuries are a little less likely, right? You're still an ascending player, all that stuff. It's, I just can't believe, I was curious. I really thought, especially trading with the Ravens, that they would really have to give up a first round pick and then some. Where I I think I saw, and everyone has different valuations, right? The Chiefs valued it like a mid-second rounder. Mm Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. or take. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting that second rounder back, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a big deal to not have to, like, you know, sell the farm. And that, I think, differentiates it a little bit from, like, the Frank Clark trade where they gave up a first rounder and a third rounder and then gave him a massive contract that same year. That one year of cheaper play, that that's valuable, right? There's value in the fact that he's very cheap this year as opposed to having to play it, pay him immediately. I can see arguments for both ways. But you didn't have to give up a first rounder and a third rounder for him. You gave up the equivalent of a mid-second rounder. Now, now from the Ravens' standpoint, and Dan Orlovsky makes this, makes this point, and I am putting the pieces together and I understand it, the Ravens have two second... They have two late-round first first-round picks, essentially. They can now put those together to move up further if they want for a prospect that they like in the first round. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Chiefs, you can facilitate that for them, knowing that they're going to make another step, while also understanding you fulfill the absolute need you had to fulfill between now and the draft. And as Seth mentions, and I know you agree with this too, Josh. This draft may be most remembered for second-round picks. And if the Chiefs feel confident in their evaluation and where they feel like prospects are going to be in the second round, who, hey, may not be perennial pro bowlers, may not be Hall of Famers, but you're going to get some darn good production out of second-round picks that you can feel good about over the life of those players' rookie contracts, getting that second-round pick and Orlando Brown, um, that I didn't think that was possible is ultimately what I'm trying to say 
given that you made a deal with the Ravens and the Ravens are this <laughs> lustful to go get somebody that they have fallen in love with. The Ravens the Ravens want a receiver, I would assume. They there's someone. They want to go get Devonta Smith. They want to go do something. But it's just it's an interesting thing for me here. The Chiefs managed to somehow simultaneously um utilize my kind of conversational points on, you know, you know, a, a, a boat is a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat when I kind of make fun of people valuing picks, I think, more than they should be valued. So they kind of did some of that by getting a sh- more of a sure thing. And at the same time, they managed to get a mystery box, too, mm-hmm. with the second round pick. So I, I now what I'm seeing when I look at, like, you know, the analytics people, because they love draft picks and stuff, I'm seeing more pushback in that in in that community in terms of ah the Chiefs would have been better off not utilizing the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, the trade value chart, um, which is what I I think the Chiefs probably used to value it at 45. I I got to tell you I'm happy. I the, you you to get something of a sure thing and an ascending player and still and not have to sell the farm for that. That's a big deal, and I'm just surprised that Baltimore was willing to do it. I I, I am too, but Baltimore feels it, – it's interesting how both teams see this. Baltimore feels to make their quarterback as effective as possible, need some, need some top-end talent on the, out, on the outside. <laughs> and the Chiefs, to make their quarterback most effective, Needs protection. There, we'll make that the last word here as our, our breaking news podcast after a podcast. Man, guys, you really there were some good bits in that last show, but it was also mostly about Tevin Jenkins and draft prospects and 31 to tackle. So it, it's dead. Yes, just on a side note, Brett Veach was lying to us, just like my wife lied to me about Stephen Amell not being good looking. No one's going to understand that reference, but we had great stuff about that. Yeah, well, you know, we can we can maybe maybe we'll revisit that, you know, in the future. I will also say quite confidently we will do another show before the NFL draft, especially now as all of us have to do new mocks. The boards are now very different. The needs are now very different. Yep. The Kansas City Chiefs have their left tackle. A lot of things to talk about down the road. We'll also all be tweeting about these things and writing about these things incessantly. You can follow me on Twitter at JB Briscoe. You can follow Seth on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan and check out his incoming film review on the Chief from the North newsletter. And of course, you can follow Nate on Twitter at ByNateTaylor and read whatever comes out next on The Athletic. Nate, I have a feeling that your story about draft value at 31 is probably not going to be the next piece anymore uh and you would be correct sir we'll talk to you soon as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.